0: as hell and I want to get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Bella's out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in 6 Hey
1: everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Board is Hell podcast
2: I'm Wait, wait, Adam wait, Mc... not, not just another what? The what? 100th episode no. oh, oh my god, we
1: did it! We're 100 old, oh my god, we're old 100, 100, 100,
2: 100. Made it to 100
1: <laughs> Yes, actually, so, uh 100, 100 episodes! How did we get this far?
0: Congratulations! Um, well,
1: thank you! Oh, <laughs> thank I mean, who who is this, by the way? There, there's some weird female voice on the uh,
2: on the oh, podcast. <laughs> who is the female?
0: Who is the female? Uh, should I introduce myself, then? Yes, please. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> yes, my please. name is Caitlin Booth. I am the head film writer at Bleeding Cool, uh, contributor at WatchPlayRead.com, and uh, co-host of the Nerd Dome podcast.
1: We have a legitimate film critic with us. Ooh. Oh, shut
0: up. Like <laughs> well, well, you are at least. <laughs> no, we but at least
1: honestly, have two. yeah, and well, that you and and Caitlin. So, uh, but no, honestly, no. <laughs> you and Caitlin.
0: <laughs> You're in the U.S.C.A. I know you are. I sat next to you during the meeting. Remember?
1: I know we bitched about movies, um, and which ones we didn't like, and the other one did. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, uh, hundred episodes. This is so cool. Like we are so incredibly happy to be here. It's uh, It's been a wild ride. I know we've all been working our asses off for this, and the fact that we're still doing this week after week, and because you listen and like us and say things and everything else is amazing. But anyways, we got a big show today. Uh, I'm Adam with Big Shiny Robot. I'm Andy with Big Shiny Robot. And obviously we know Caitlin, because she's amazing. Uh, but this, we are doing Guardians of the Galaxy Two, uh, Yay.
0: one of Yay.
1: my most anticipated movies of the year, and even though we're going to review it and go further on with scores and everything else, I can easily tell you that I was not disappointed one bit. Um, but Andy, you you are great at doing this, so give me give us a summary of the plot and just so everyone knows we're keeping it spoiler free, so you can listen without worrying about finding out details of yeah. All
2: the big stuff. Our movie movie opens back on Earth. We see Meredith Quill uh, in 1980 hanging out with a young Kurt Russell. And uh, then we cut to just a few months after uh, the end of the last Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And our Guardians uh, are... Hired to protect some some batteries by a group of aliens known as the Sovereign from an interdimensional beast, and they go to, and uh, well, um, things kind of go sideways from there because uh, Rocket and Drax can't control themselves, and uh, things things go a little crazy with the Sovereign. And wackiness ensues. Uh, Kurt Russell <laughs> shows up in his spaceship and says, "Hey, I'm your father, Peter." And uh, the the group has to split up as uh, uh, as basically everyone's on their tail. And we find out more and more exactly what Peter's lineage is, and uh, what the major threat to the galaxy is that our guardians will have to face. Uh, really great. Um everyone uh comes back to to chase them. The the Ravagers led by Yandu Odanta are are back uh chasing them and so uh there's a lot of heat on them through the whole movie and uh there there are betrayals, uh there are new allegiances made, uh lots and lots and lots of fun. Um, But really, the cool thing that I liked about this movie is it wasn't so much about the plot. It was about these relationships. And the thing I kept coming back to over and over was family. And uh, that these... The Guardians of the Galaxy are a family. And uh, they kept making all these great little pairings with one another uh, that were very familial... And we'll we'll come back to that, but I, I want to hear what both of you thought um, before we before we delve more into that.
0: Uh, absolutely, I'm all about found family and dyna- uh, and dynamics and groups. So this kind of gave me the best of both worlds. The fact that it was very much focusing on you know inward character development and and just the the little relationships uh, between the various characters really kind of. Elevated it beyond the first movie into uh, to this in the second one. My, some of my favorite moments are with any of the other guardians and when they're being very like familial and parental with Baby Groot, <laughs> like. The very beginning of the movie there's an amazing scene and Groot stops in the middle of something and just kind of waves at Gamora and she's like she's like get out of the way and he just kind of waves at her and she's like hi and it was just <laughs> i i I loved every every moment where the Guardians were had to act like parents to this little tiny child that could technically kick everyone's butt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and and the, the the idea of family, you know, What's really funny is, so the Fast and Furious movies, the whole eight of them, have been like, oh, family, family, family. I'm sorry, but as much fun as those are, this movie explained family better in 20 minutes than that movie, those that series done in eight eight movies. Um, you know, the idea of Star Lord finding his father, arguing about, you know, is family like your blood? Is it your people you know? Uh, everything about it just was was so personal and amazing because, you know. I'm up, you know, living in Utah, where my actual family is in California. Like, I don't get to see them. Like, I haven't seen my mom for Christmas in thirteen years. Um, but I get to go see my friends, and I get to go see like Eddie's mom, and and so the idea of family being more than just your blood and being the people who support you and make up your life is a huge thing to me. So that, of course, hit me hard. Um, but yeah, it's it's the little moments that are amazing. In this movie, and as weird as it is. You know, Yondu and Rocket actually have the biggest character arcs in this movie as far as how much they grow and mature and how much you actually learn about them and learn to yeah. like them. Like. Honestly, Yondu was fun in the first movie. I mean, we all love the scene where he's sitting there whistling and his little arrow kills a bunch of people. Um, Yondu made me cry. <laughs> and we're not going to go into details as far as when and how that happened, but yeah. I wouldn't have ever told thought that I'd be sitting in a theater bawling my eyes out over this blue-skinned, red mohawk Michael Rooker racist dude from Walking Dead. Not that Michael Rooker's racist, just from Walking Dead. Like, because I hated Merle. Ugh, hated him. Um, but he and Rocket, and Rocket has the same number of scenes where I'm just like, oh my god, this is amazing. And and that's the point of this movie. That, you know, as much as the first one was about bringing people together, this one is explaining what family is and why it's important and how it's important. And... As much fun... As much spectacle there is... And we'll get into that... Shortly like... You know... When... Uh, the Cass Stevens song... The... Um...
2: Father and Son...
1: Father and Son comes on...
2: Yeah... Oh
0: my God...
1: I was... Dying... Like I have... I have not... Ugly cried like that... Since Monster Calls... <laughs> and yeah. that's not... And that's not a bad thing... It's, it's a really good thing... As far as... Just that... A movie... A dumb movie about... A talking raccoon... And a tree evoked that much emotion just means that, one, James Gunn is amazing. I've loved him since he was in *Trauma*, And two, yeah, Marvel's got it going. Marvel knows what's going on. And DC, take note, because you could be this good if you tried.
2: Yeah, I mean, I talked about some of those pairings, and one of the pairings that I I loved that isn't intuitive at all was Yondu and Rocket. And they have a couple of moments together uh, where Rocket really... Finds some cool things out about himself and and understands uh, his character and it, it's so cool and it's so it's so quiet and it's not at all what I expected from a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Yeah, but that's what made it for me. That's what this this movie made. And there's there's a similar scene like between uh, Mantis and Drax, which those two. Oh my god! I loved gosh. that
0: relationship. I loved it. Yeah, that that
2: relationship was so fun, and they they just uh, it it clicked, and they they put these um, James Gunn put these unlikely pairings together, and he made magic happen, and and took these characters to places that we didn't expect them to be able to go. It was just absolutely amazing.
0: I uh, I also really liked the fact that they brought Nebula back because one of the things that I wanted so much more of in the first one was really exploring that sister dynamic between her and Gamora, and the fact that that became like a huge plot point throughout the movie. It was just I I I love that. I mean, the, the one of the deleted scenes from the original was really helping explore that relationship between the two of them, and the fact that James Gunn looked at that deleted scene and went. That was something I probably should have explored in the first mm-hmm. movie. Now I'm going to really make that a central part of the second one. I mean, that that's great. It's absolutely fantastic. And I'm all about bringing more ladies into the Guardians. And the fact that we got to bring in two more and they're both awesome just made me ridiculously happy.
1: Well, yeah, and I, I, I've had friends who, who didn't like Nebula, didn't like Karen Gillan as the part because they just felt that she didn't get much to do in the first one. And that was very true. I and mean, she was there very much as the side character. But, uh, again, it goes back to family. It's like the fact that she and Zamora uh, were sisters. And she got to say, like, you know, I just wanted a sister. Like, why couldn't you be there for me? And it's because Thanos is an a-hole. <laughs> and, you know, like, there, you know... There was I'm, so much more I'm that I
2: wanted from, from Nebula in the first one, too. But she did have one of my favorite lines in the entire movie where she just goes... Get out of my way. And you're just like, <laughs> whoa. It's like she is she is pissed. I I love her. And it's it's so it's so great because um, you know, you take Karen Gillen, uh, who I just absolutely love from Doctor Who, and she's totally playing against the Amy Pond type, and she's not that person at all, but she's playing it to a T and uh, the the thing that I kept thinking of Uh, is she keeps coming back, like, trying to murder them. I kept thinking of Carrie Fisher's role in the Blues Brothers, where she (laughs) keeps going back, like, trying to murder them. I'm like, she's the best. She's absolutely the best. Uh, And and one of the other things that I, I loved about her, I won't spoil this joke, but there is a specific joke that follows the comedic rule of three, where it's like, The the joke's repeated once; it's it's kind of funny. It's repeated a second time; it's like okay, that that's kind of funny. And then the third time, there's this huge payoff, and she nails it, and it's so funny. And I just, it and it it was so perfectly done. I just hats off to James Gunn and 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 the way the way that they were able to do that.
0: Well, Karen has really good like deadpan delivery of jokes and I just I loved yeah. every moment in the movie where even just moments where she wasn't even like a centrally focused character you could see her in the background just like face palming the entire time like dear god <laughs> And it was like it was those moments where it's like, yes, I can actually see how these two characters are related because half the time Gamora's in the background going, "Dear God, seriously? Like this is what's going on? Like what is my life? Why am I hanging out with these people? What is wrong with these people?"
2: <laughs> yeah, well, and that was her her big shtick in the first movie. She's like, "I'm going to die with the biggest idiots in the galaxy," and and now her sister gets to do the exact same thing, and it's it's great. One of the other things I really loved was the the paternal relationship between Kurt Russell and Chris Pratt. And man, Chris Pratt has really grown as an actor. And we get to see two or three moments here where he just really shines. And he gets to show a a vast gamut of emotions um, uh, of how he feels about... About his father, this emerging relationship with him, how he feels about his mother, and how uh, those memories of her are still so central to him, and uh, the the hurt inside of him that that still that still brings to him, uh, and this is a universal story, even though this is about uh, an an Earth kid who was abducted at the age of eight and has since spent his time with space pirates. And a living planet, this could be any relationship between uh, a kid who's grown up and his father who was absent from his adolescence. Mm-hmm. Why did you leave? Why didn't you come back? And the the anger and the hurt in that was so perfect. And it, it made this wacky space comedy uh, work because it... It, it just reverberates on, on a basic human level. And man, Pratt and and Russell are just at the top of their game in terms of being able to convey uh, the emotion here.
0: Yeah, there's a scene at the very end, which we will not spoil, but he just absolutely is like, Pratt is just absolutely heartbreaking in it. And there he just, he doesn't leave anything on the table. He's a, He goes for broke. He goes for it 100%. And for a character, for a guy who is pretty much being typecasted at this point, to see him display that kind of range gives me a lot of hope for his future as not only an actor, but a dramatic actor. Like, I could see him picking up a, a real dramatic and serious role and being able to pull it off. I think he's better suited to playing the not-straight man in a group, but uh he could pull it off now. I, I I believe he could pull off an award-worthy performance as long as he had the right director, the right scriptwriter, and the right was able to get into that frame of mind. Where Absolutely. initially I wasn't, yeah. I didn't think he could pull that off.
1: Well, and see, my, my argument is in Chris Pratt as Star-Lord, almost to me for, for like 90% of the movie feels like, Chris Pratt being Chris Pratt as much as Robert Downey Jr. is being Tony Stark. Yeah, um, and it's not a bad thing. I mean, that's just that's it's a character that was almost kind of written for him. Um, but yeah, that that scene you're talking about, which again we're not gonna tell you about that that is a there's a scene where he's like grabbing his leg, trying to pull something off him. If you remember the scene, to give it to someone else, and that just that's the moment of that that part that just breaks my heart, and you will see me crying like a baby because. It's it's a scene of self sacrifice and uh, love between people that you wouldn't wasn't really weren't really expecting. And although I I do kind of wish, I know Marvel won't do it because you know they and this movie kind of did push the bounds of PG thirteen as far as language goes.
2: I mean, they were trying Uh, and
0: innuendo, yes, definitely.
2: (laughs) They they say the word. They say the word penis twice. Do <laughs> you have a Spoiler penis. <laughs>
0: alert, James Gunn managed to get robot space prostitutes in a Disney movie. Yes.
1: <laughs> but there's one scene where Star-Lord pulls out his gun and starts just, like, blasting the hell out of someone. The moment before he did, I really, really, really wanted him to be like, fuck you. And then pull it out and start just blasting him. Like, and I know they wouldn't do it because I will not do that, but that would have been, like, the perfect, like, little coda over that, like intensely emotional scene that would have just been
2: like ah, I hate you ah. uh- <laughs> he didn't even have to say it though because the look on his face and uh, I mean uh, and and to think about what happens I mean you see Star Lord using his guns on people and obviously he's, he's holding something back he's not using them at the fully highest settings yeah. because when he takes on this person at the end he blows giant holes in their body, and this is a very powerful person. Who I was like, whoa! I wouldn't have thought that like any sort of weapon would have actually affected them. Uh, no, he he went after them no, and was, went was, full no. blast on them. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was uh. So it shows how much uh. Both as a character, Star Lord is holding back the power that he has and how much Chris Pratt is holding back uh, as an actor uh, that, you know, in, in that one moment, he's able to do so much with, with just his face.
1: Yeah, no, it, was, it was a great scene, and oh, there's so many other great scenes. I mean, and, and if we're going to dive deep in this, like, you know, the, the cinematography, and I mean, yes, they do kind of overuse slow-mo a bit, but there's one amazing scene where uh, two characters are walking down like a gangplank, and we'll just say that it's, it's raining something in slow motion, And the way they shot it was just absolutely gorgeous. And, oh, there's the opening scene when, you know, because Baby Groot plugs in this little, like, sound system, and he's dancing around to the song, and in the background, kind of out of focus and blurry, is all this crazy action going on with all the other Guardians fighting this monster. And, like, so while the focus is on Groot, you're still trying to watch both things. And I love when, that's, like, one of my favorite things directors do. Like, we were talking about, uh, before we... Before we uh, started recording, was Guy Ritchie did it with a uh, Man from U.N.C.L.E. when mm-hmm. uh, Army Hammer's in the uh, not Army Hammer, uh, Henry Kibble, Henry Kibble, yeah, he's, he's sitting in the in the car eating lunch while you're seeing on the windshield the reflection of all this this crazy boat chase with crazy things going on with Army Hammer, and that scene just cracks me up, and it's one of my favorite tricks, and God damn it, James Gunn just does it beautifully in this one for the opening scene.
0: I, I love that particular slow motion scene you were talking about uh, mm-hmm. because I actually saw that clip at, uh, in Hall-Age at San Diego Comic-Con oh, last year and I was, that was when I knew that I was going to love this movie because I was like, that is perfect everything about that scene was perfect and I'm so glad that that scene made it entirely into the movie too because that was something I was like I really hope they don't edit this or they don't cut it or anything I hope I get to see this scene again
2: what, was that? Did they have the same song over it when they showed it to you? Then the because uh, that would Hello. come a little bit closer. Oh, come closer, they, yeah.
0: I can't remember. There was a lot I, to take in during that ish presentation.
2: <laughs> yeah, because I remember, uh, at, you know, when when you were talking about it at Salt Lake Comic Con and you were talking about soundtrack. You're like, well, we know that uh, Fleetwood Mac, it, the chain, is going to be in there, but um, yeah, so they they must not have had that. S- that picked out there. But it was so funny because that song worked so perfectly in that scene and it was not at all what I was expecting, like, that particular song to to do uh, in, in that movie. It just... Uh, it's... James Gunn is a genius in being able to meld, like, really odd uh, music tracks to these scenes. But, um but yet they they work really perfectly, so well, I was, I was I really actually, impressed with that.
0: I didn't look up the soundtrack for Volume 2 at all before seeing the movie, because I, I was like, I didn't know anything about the soundtrack going into the first one, so I wanted to go into the second one not knowing anything about what the soundtrack was, and I'm really, really glad I did that. So if you haven't seen this movie yet, do not look up the soundtrack if you can get away with it, because... <laughs> It's just but it's so good. <laughs> I know it's so good, but I'm really glad I didn't know any of the song cues before they came on because it actually really enhanced the experience for me.
1: Well, see, it's funny because the the episode before this, uh, Andy and I kind of broke down the soundtrack and we kind of guessed and discussed what you know which scene would go with which song and and we were right with some and wrong with others. And I'd mentioned that you know like while I've heard of the songs, I wasn't as familiar with them as I was with Guardians Volume One. And I was kind of worried, because I was like, ah, it's, it's like a deeper dive and a deeper cut. All I can tell you is that every single one of these songs is now indelibly etched in my mind with the scene they're in. Because as much fun as the first one was, Gunn used every song here perfectly to match what's happening when it's on screen.
2: Well, and, and it's so yeah, it's so funny, because I, I, I would have thought, like, Brandy, You're a Fine Girl by Looking Glass is just... Like a throwaway pop ballad, and it's like the and theme of the movie. It's so weird. Yeah, it becomes this weird important part of it, and you're like, "How in the world did that happen?" James Gunn, you insane genius. So, <laughs> uh, I, I just I loved it, and um, the really really smart use of of that. Yep, so great. So, Speaking
1: of which, let's let you know, let's talk about the soundtrack for a minute. So, Andy, you, you know this was kind of your deal with like I said our our last episode when you were talking about which scene goes where so why don't you walk us through some of the 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 best song pairings of the movie
2: okay so so we just talked about Brandy you're a fine girl um uh Mr. Blue Sky uh that's that's our our great song that we have that that baby Groot's dancing to while they're fighting the alien in the background used to hilarious comedic effect again I would have not paired that song with that, but... <laughs> but it so worked perfect. so well.
0: It did. It worked really well.
2: Southern Nights, which is a song, like, much like the first Guardian soundtrack. Like, I hate the Pina Colada song. I think it's a stupid song. Southern Nights is another song that I never would have thought I would have enjoyed in a movie, but... Oh, seeing uh, Rocket take on an entire group of Ravagers...
1: <laughs> oh, and when, and when they're and when they're bouncing up, like I remember the one scene I always I keep on forgetting about is like they, they, they doing something to make them like get blown into the air and fall back down like, over and over again. I think and it's it like an anti
0: gravity thing. Is yeah. what I took that as.
1: It pans yeah. out, and there's this wonderful wide shot of these guys just like like on the left and right side of the screen, just like going ah ah. And, like, it's I laughed so damn hard because I mean rockets there just. Laughing his ass off too. I'm like, yeah, that's funny.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we've got the the chain by Fleetwood Mac, which, oh. uh, yeah, I I talked about this last week about like the. I I really think people should go like watch the behind the music of Fleetwood Mac and the recording of Rumors to like understand why why this is so important and uh and and how the lyrics to this song really play a huge part in in this movie but uh if if it's not a song you're familiar with then please enjoy it and uh if if you do know a lot about it and and love this song you are not going to be disappointed um we talked about come a little bit closer during that uh that that scene with with the arrow again perfect um Boy, was I wrong about the use of My Sweet Lord and and George Harrison uh, with, with where it was. But used very perfectly. Uh, and I, again, I love that song. If you want to hear me gush about why I love that song for like 10 <laughs> minutes on the last episode, you can go listen to it. But used very well in uh, in here. Um <laughs> Wham, bam, shang <laughs> This was not a song I'd ever heard before, uh, before oh, really? this movie. No, I've, I've heard never it. heard Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, that's one of these that I'd never heard before. And, yeah, um, wow. Used to uh, great effect in this movie uh, over uh, a really cool space battle. Um,
1: and it actually happens during my, my one of my favorite parts of the movie, which is... Uh, do you have any tape? No, why would I have tape? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which <laughs> is then, yeah. literally probably the only scene from the third act that is actually in trailers. Yeah,
1: yes. Exactly, and, that, and that's, and not to get off topic, but what I said so, I love about this movie so much is as much as they did it with, like, Star Wars, Force Awakens, and Rogue One, is the trailer showed you a lot, but you have no damn idea what's going on. Like, you really don't. Like, yes, you know Peter Quill meets his father, and things are going after them, but you don't know why. You don't know what's happening. You don't know who the, the bad guy is. You don't know what's going to happen in the end. I mean, yeah, there's you get Baby Groot runs off with a bomb. Why does Baby Groot have a bomb? Well, we'll explain why. But yeah, that scene, like, no, I don't have any tape. And then you, you sit there with Groot and Rocket, like, for, like what, two minutes, just, like, looking at each other. And in the background, you just hear Star-Lord being like, hey, Yondu, you got any tape? Drax, oh, you have du- duct tape would work? Why would you ask if anyone duct tape? If you don't have duct tape, why the hell would you say that? No, no one has any tape. Did you ask Nebula? Yes. yes.
0: <laughs>
1: Are you lying to me? Well, I asked Yondu, and she was sitting right there, so she would have said something. Oh, so you didn't? You're the one with an atomic bomb in your backpack. If anyone would have tape, it would be you. <laughs> and yes, we
2: just put it all in for you, so <laughs> family family like these are the but uh, this is this is exactly like what goes on in my house and um, uh, again baby Groot is literally the best cinematic depiction I've ever seen of what it's like living with a toddler Um, (laughs) but these are conversations that we have all the time like in my house is exactly that like does anybody have any tape Um, That's. Just turn. Anyway.
1: That was my my brain fart, uh, was when they're sitting there, Nebula's like, You guys aren't even friends, all you do is yell at each other. And then Drax is like, Well, no, we're family, because that's what you do. Like, Mm -hmm. that was. That's true. And again, it's in the trailer, so it's not a surprise when it happens, but yeah, you. I'm sorry, but, you know, your family pisses you off and you yell at each other. That's kind of how it goes. And whether, again, that's your blood family or your best friends or the people you surround yourself with, uh, that's kind of the point of the movie too. Is just because you're not related by blood doesn't mean that someone isn't your your brother, sister, or anyone else. So,
2: yeah. Uh, and and finally to wrap up, father and son. You you mentioned that. Uh, oh used my god. To very poignant effect. I mean, we we knew like how can you have this song and not like have it be like a giant tearjerker? Uh, and then the rest of them: surrender, guardians, inferno, and flashlight. Are all the soundtrack to the credits.
1: Yeah. And I honestly, have... I was really glad they got the Sneepers to do that because they're really hard to find. And, y- yeah. Um, you know, they're they're an almond shaped band and uh, they're, they're out there. So, But uh, no, Father and Son. Sneeper like, and... awareness. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Sneeper awareness. Um, yeah. No, Father and Son. And I'm not trying to. Eh, well, I'm not, not going to say it because it's kind of a spoiler, but it's not about the people you think it's about. And yeah. We'll just say yeah. that and
2: the yeah, line... again boy was I wrong about what I thought that I said like this is a song Meredith Quill like trying to explain to right? Peter who her father is and so oh, totally wrong on that context and so perfect. Just yes. so perfect.
1: So perfect and you know it was if you're, if you're following along like beat by beat um, the ending is foreshadowed like at the beginning of the movie uh, there's and things that are said and happen that you're like, oh, I, I get what's going to happen. And even though I knew it was going to take place, it didn't change the fact of how emotional it was. And I wasn't expecting, I didn't expect it, the ending to be so beautiful. Like it was, it was a very much Empire Strikes Back kind of thing. Because again, this is like the second in the trilogy. Uh, in fact, you know, it, it, it cuts away at the end almost the same way Empire does. So, mm-hmm.
0: there are a lot of parallels to Empire. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah, from the from the we we put the big action sequence at the beginning of the movie, uh, to yeah uh, to how the the ending wraps up.
0: Spoiler and splitting alert! Splitting up all of the characters into these two main groups. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. You split everyone up. You you, you have people doubt themselves. Um, yeah, actually, it, it's a it's a very empire-ish movie.
2: <laughs> so does does that make Mantis Yoda? I think that makes Mantis Yoda. <laughs>
1: I'm okay I'm, with that. We have even talked about Mantis. Mantis was so much fun. She... Oh, and, and the scene where... Cause her thing is, like, she can touch someone and, like, feel their emotions. And there's a beautiful scene where Drax is talking about his family. Oh. And she touches him. And it finally comes to, like, he, you know... As much as the, the thing is, Hulk says, hey, my secret is I'm always angry. Drax is always heartbroken. And I guess as much... Even though he talks about it and we know why he wants to kill Thanos the fact that he carries that with him 24 seven and is still who he is was mind blowing because I don't know if I could carry that much grief on me and be the same person I am now. I mean, you know, I, I I freaking cried at this movie.
2: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, and she was so great. And, and the pairing, the two of them together, because they, they're both, they're both very different in terms of of how they emote and how they talk to other people because Drax is like, oh, I'm very literal and I don't use metaphor, and and Mantis literally has never met another person except for Ego, mm-hmm. and uh, just and and so she talks and she's like, I'm I haven't been trained to socialize with other people. And and so it's really fun to put these two people who don't know how to talk to other people uh, together, and their conversations are just some of the best. I mean, I feel like I'm beating a, a dead horse because those were some of the best scenes. They're just they're Dude, so platonic
0: good. relationships, especially like with a very parental type of thing. I I loved the fact that they went that direction with Mantis's character because they very easily could have tried to pair her off with somebody or anybody, but it's very, you know, he very much treats her like he like she's his new daughter and I I love that. I hope they don't like brush that aside in future movies. I hope they still address that and still have him being very parental towards her because that was just fantastic. Absolutely oh, yeah. fantastic
2: absolutely true and it's i hadn't even thought about that but that's a great dynamic is you you introduce this character who is ostensibly like uh very beautiful and there's no romantic anything it but she does have fully formed platonic relationships with other people that's really great and you know uh, oftentimes we like to talk about not only what a movie's doing in terms of oh there's explosions and it's fun but what is it saying what what does it do to inform our social context in 2017 and, and what is it trying to say and the fact this feels like a very bold statement to be making right now that a family is a group of people who love one another and who take care of one another And it doesn't matter uh, who you are. And, you know, love makes a family. And uh, that doesn't have to be a monogamous man and a woman who create a child. It can be uh, a a crazy group of aliens and a talking (laughs) raccoon and a tree monster. And, and, And it works. And it's... And, and and it's so beautiful. And the fact that, you know, you can say you can have uh, respectful, loving, platonic relationships between adult men and women uh, is actually a pretty bold statement uh, for Hollywood. Because that almost never happens in movies. Like, count on your hands, like, the number of uh, characters who, who show up who... Uh, you know, who could be romantic objects and who end up only being in strong platonic relationships.
0: There really Doesn't is happen. There really aren't any, like... Like, there's a, a pseudo-romantic thing going on between Star-Lord and Gamora, but... I could still very easily... It can still very easily be read as platonic, even with all of the little hints that they drop throughout the first and even the second movie. But... Mm-hmm. The fact that Nebula and Mantis are both pretty much never damseled in any way is just uh, absolutely incredible. Like, Mantis at one point does kind of, quote-unquote, need to be saved, but that's after she saves everybody else by being a total
1: like,
0: amazing <laughs> person. Out.
1: I tried to warn her. <laughs> 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 and, and again, it's... it's yeah, the, the, the comic timing of this movie is so great because that scene... Is a really impactful moment. You're like, oh wow, this is so cool. And like it is the cool, like the you know the, the money shot of like the the swinging around wide shot, seeing all the guardians together, like rawr. And this thing just comes and nails Mantis. And Drax is like, oh oh. <laughs> but so uh, good. Um, oh, and and the what, the one person we're forgetting, um, which is easy to, uh, Sean Gunn, uh, James Gunn's brother. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he did all the mocap for for Rocket, for both movies. And he was Craglin, who's one of the uh, the Ravagers. And... Captain's got to
2: teach stuff. <laughs> that that, that was... is my favorite line from the first Guardians.
1: Yeah, I I can't say like the the line he says that breaks my heart because it's a spoiler. Um, something to do with his friends. Uh, but he gives such. I was so glad to see that he got to be a bigger part of this movie because he's really talented and funny, and he's done a lot of stuff. I mean, he's pretty much in everything James Gunn's ever done. Um, and and Gilmore Girls. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys saw this, but he announced at the Comic Con screen he's coming to Comic Con. So,
2: oh yeah. no, that's yeah. awesome.
1: He he actually filmed a little thing for Comic Con, being like, "Hey, hope you like the movie." Blah blah. blah. I'll see you in September. So, uh,
2: I I I love I love Sean Gunn, and I I've loved Sean Gunn before I even know knew who James Gunn was. The first James Gunn movie I saw was Slither. And someone had to clue me in, oh yeah, his brother is Kirk from the Gilmore Girls. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, Kirk's my favorite. Kirk's like the guy I identify with. Um, the, not to go too much off on a tangent, but there's a hilarious episode where Kirk makes a short film in the Gilmore Girls. And it is like the best thing that ever happened on that series ever (laughs) anyway i i love sean gunn and um the the father and son scene at the end his moment there like he it's not even a line but his reaction and the sheer like happiness and what that means to him is just amazing and and he really got a moment to shine and he uh, you wouldn't have expected that, but he was he was amazing and he was an essential part of this movie.
0: Yeah, and he's definitely starting to get some recognition because I was just like, I remember seeing an article earlier this week talking about how he became Marvel's secret weapon and it's actually on The Hollywood Reporter and it's an interview with him talking about how he is basically Sean Gunn's secret weapon uh, in going into uh, James Gunn's secret weapon going into all of his movies and just how he has a much bigger role in everything, and he really—he's a much better, again, dramatic actor than I expected. Because <laughs> I—I—I I was not a Gilmore Girls fan, so I've never really seen him in anything. So I was really surprised to see the way he really stepped up in this one, and I appreciated that. And I hope he—I uh, hope he doesn't go away in fr- in future movies.
2: Um, I, I hope he I at least him. gets a cameo <laughs> in in Infinity War. I hope everyone gets a cameo in Infinity War. Oh, yeah, I am.
1: And, oh, and that, that. I also was very, very excited that this movie stands alone by itself, apart yeah. from the MCU. Like, it didn't. And, you know, just so you know, yes, there are five after-credit scenes. Stay till the very, 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 very end. Because I had friends who left. I'm like, why the hell are you leaving? Um, but nothing it does, eh, with one minor, minor exception, if you have followed along with the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, uh, ties into the main thing it's its its own story it doesn't have it doesn't have infinity stones it doesn't have ties in with thanos except for that he's mentioned in as far yeah as he gets
2: name checked like once or twice and yeah. that's it would but, you
0: guys yeah. ever in a million years think that of all of the marvel universe properties guardians of the freaking galaxy would be the most like approachable for the layman like in a million years would you have ever thought that would be the no, one an that anyone could walk up to and go yeah i get that like i know people who don't like superhero movies who are like oh guardians is awesome i'm so excited for the next one i'm like are you kidding me really like this is the one this is the one that marvel can throw at anyone and they're like yeah we get it it's fine that's a talking and- tree that's a talking raccoon they're in space okay just, I, I still cannot believe that of all of the series that's the one that everyone's like, "Yeah, we get it. That's the one. We we're all we're, we're good."
1: <laughs> yep. I, yeah. I, always, yeah. I remember uh, it was our friend Kat, she does uh things where she takes landscapes and like draws in geek stuff into them. And when the first movie came out, she had done uh, a Guardians of the Galaxy one, and she was at the farmers market and she, she said like this, 80-year-old couple came up, and they were looking at all her stuff and it's like Doctor Who and Back to the Future and all these things. And all of a sudden, like, they go over and and this this woman's like, oh, look, it's Groot. And she's like, you know who Groot is? She's like, of course I do. I love that movie. Like, (laughs) why? why? (laughs) It's a talking tree. That wasn't even that good in the comics. Like, oh, my God.
0: (laughs) It, It took forever for me to convince my parents to really get into the Marvel Universe thing. But I got a picture from my mother once where she was growing her own avocado plant by, you know, like, Growing it out of the seed, and it's just this little twig poking up through the middle of this avocado pit. And she's like, "Look, it's Baby Groot." I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Really? <laughs> like, this is the thing? Like, all right, yeah. sure." Yeah, I mean, I,
2: I spent my week in in DC uh, this this last week, and spent a lot of time in in taxis, and um, so many of my Lyft drivers. Uh, we ended up talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, and they all loved it. Everyone knew it, and everybody loved it. And they're like, "Oh, I can't wait to see that." We're we've already got a plan to go check it out on on Saturday or Sunday or everything. But you're absolutely right. It's crazy that like this is the thing that's that's most approachable. Um, I, I think it's a credit to James Gunn's work to really take what is universal out of this and make it accessible for everyone because it. It is really universal to, first of all, to have a family for good or for bad, and to feel like a misfit. And uh, I, most people can can identify with something in there. And because there are so many different kinds of characters, everyone can find a place of emotional purchase that that they're like this. This is what works for me, and and they all love it. Plus. Uh, kids. Uh, I mean, kids just go <laughs> gaga over it because it is just hilarious. I went to a, a birthday party for uh, one of my daughter's friends. Uh, she was turning 12, and they're a bunch of 11 and 12-year-old girls. And uh, the thing that they all kept saying was, everything is better with baby Groot. And if that isn't a statement of, you know, what... Uh, what is first of all absolutely true about this movie but uh how the the non comic book loving person will feel about this movie that that's it right there everyone's going to love baby groot and but yeah
0: at the same time he isn't like oppressively taking over the movie which was something exactly. i saw a, a, a lot of people i could i talked to a couple of people who uh mostly film critics who were mostly worried about and all Baby Groot became the most marketable character to the surprise of pretty much everybody at Marvel. And they were worried, oh, well, they're going to take Baby Groot and they're going to shoehorn him in. He's going to be like, he's going to take over the movie. He's going to be the main focus. He has some scenes that are very much dedicated to him, but not any more than any other character. And... They not only made a great character, they used him very, very well. They knew the moments where he would be the perfect character to have this thing happen, and then they moved on. It wasn't like- the movie doesn't contort itself to make it about Baby Groot. There's a moment towards the end where you see him start to cry, and the entire audience, especially in both of the screenings that I've been to now, just started- Freaking out! They're like, "No, no, baby Groot's not allowed to cry. Don't let baby Groot cry. Why is baby Groot crying? Make it stop! No one <laughs> wants to see this. Make it stop!"
2: And he has, uh, he has one of the one of the best lines in the movie too, which which Rocket translates, and um, uh, it's yeah, I won't say it because it's Wait, a spoiler, it, but it, I think you know, yeah, the well, the, the one, the, I'm...
0: the line isn't a spoiler, but the context very much yeah. is. Yeah. The line is. Like,
1: welcome to the freaking guardians of the galaxy and he didn't say freaking
0: <laughs> I and mean, that's in a bunch of the trailers but yeah. the context oh, right. of that scene is is very different than what you're expecting
2: yeah that's true so that was uh, uh it's just is he's great and the uh there there was so so many little bits of business with with baby groot that were just awesome uh if I have one complaint about the movie, it's that it has a r- incredibly strong opening and an incredibly strong ending, and the middle is kind of weak. Yeah, um, I
0: agree.
2: But uh, but it's punctuated by, um, you know, it be, the the middle is is very uh, it's a lot of small moments, and and one of those moments is is a bit of business with. Uh, with Yondu, Rocket, and Groot, um, that I I thought was cute and I thought was fun, but I think it needed to be about half as long as it was. Um, it was it was good, but uh, I thought they spent a little bit too much time with it. I, I think they could have done it just just a little bit better, um, but. It's Baby Groot, and so I, I really shouldn't complain because he's one of the best characters in the movie.
0: <laughs> well, overall, the movie, I think, was only like 10 or 12 minutes longer than the first one, but it all, it is kind of, like you said, it starts off very strong and it ends very strong, but in the middle, it really kind of lulls, and there aren't very many Marvel movies where I really am feeling the length of the movie, and for some reason, this one really felt kind of long to me, which I think does say a lot about pacing and that there are some pacing issues you know especially uh, act two going into act three and it's mm-hmm. not a it's not a deal breaker by any stretch of the word oh and, no. but I can remember the first time I'm watching it going thinking oh do I need to go check my watch and you should never want to check your watch in the middle of a movie especially in the middle of a of, of a guardians movie like that so that kind of yeah. took me a little by surprise the fact that there were the were those pacing issues. We were also talking about this before uh, we recorded. I have really only the pacing issue and the fact that the whole movie feels very inwardly focused, very character focused, very interpersonal relationship focused until the very end. And despite the fact that the entire universe is on the line, for some reason it felt like the stakes weren't as big. Like, I actually didn't like the fact that the movie kind of almost contrived a reason for the entire universe to be in peril instead of just keeping it very inwardly focused. It was kind of this weird juxtaposition that I didn't quite like as much as I I wanted to. I would have been okay with the movie just only having these very personal stakes. I would have been okay if there wasn't any reason for the entire universe to be in peril.
2: Again, Empire Strikes Back, where the the personal is the—that uh, is what matters. I mean, the the fate of the galaxy isn't as much in in play in that movie as it is about the relationship between Vader and Luke and him. I mean, I guess you could say the fate of the galaxy is is there because if Luke turns to the dark side, then yada yada yada. But. But uh, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I think uh, if if they would have kept it even even a bit more personal, uh, that would have been fine. When uh, when the the big reveal happens and the, the big bad starts happening on tons of other planets, and you see this galaxy wide calamity unfolding, uh, I yeah, I felt myself wanting to go back to the you know what's happening with the core team because yeah. uh, those are really the only people I care about.
0: And the, and the movie, to its credit, doesn't focus a lot on the universe-wide calamity, but no. at the same time, it's, again, like you said, any moments that took away from those core character moments of between, you know, Nebula and Gamora really connecting and, and seeing, you know, Yondu and Rocket have this really great, you know, conversation and, you know, seeing baby Groot try and do his thing and All of those moments, I wanted to go back to those. I wanted to focus slowly on those. I I can't think of any real way that the movie could have not had that happen, not have that kind of uh, universe-wide calamity happening. But at the same time, I feel like Gunn is a smart enough writer that it didn't need to be there, but it was just kind of there because you need to have everyone in peril. That's just the way it is in these blockbusters.
1: Well, what's yeah. really interesting is we, we keep on talking about how much this is like the Empire Strikes Back. Have you two seen that uh, that poster by Matt Ferguson, who does the art for yes. Disney and stuff? Yeah. He basically does the uh, Guardians as Empire Strikes Back, and it just works beautifully. Um, but yeah, there's... It doesn't change how I feel about the movie, and it actually it didn't even affect my score, but there are, yeah, there are some plot holes. I mean, one of them is the fact that this movie definitely takes place in 2014 on Earth, and some yeah. things happen on Earth are never addressed in anything else, whether it's, you know, a Marvel movie or Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it's kind of like, if this big event happened, why why has it been ignored for the last, you know, three years now? Yeah. Um, and there's one scene that discusses, you know, uh, Star-Lord's mom and why she died. And it's kind of like, I'm trying to think how to put it without spoiling this. Um, it's like, why would someone have said a certain thing I, I yeah, can't. It's, it's, yeah.
2: It's, why would why would why would the 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 e, the big bad reveal uh, his his devious plan? I mean, but that's that's a convention as old as like as James Bond. No, I
1: know. You die, you know. Um, yeah. But it's like the whole like if he would sh- sh- shut his damn mouth, it would have worked out perfectly for him. Like that was the mm-hmm. thing that snapped everything back to reality and like and and made Star Lord start wanting to say,
2: "Fuck you." Um, <laughs> yeah, um, well, I, I think, but that's the. I mean, that's what makes a villain a villain. They don't think that what they're doing is bad. Uh, you know, they they see people as pawns to get them what they want, and sacrifices have to be made. And if that means that, uh, you know, if people have to die, then so be it. Because I I have. I have my plan, I have what I want to do to take over the universe.
1: Yeah, for, for and, the greater good kind of
2: thing. Yeah. So. And, and, yeah,
0: and we're also talking about a character called Ego. I mean, it's kind of right yep. there in the writing. I mean, this is... A, this is I don't know if this is... Uh, I won't say this. Let's just say he has a reason for thinking very highly of himself, and that name is very, very fitting. And so it's not that surprising... That a character like that would think that way, or you know, would think that that's so insignificant that, I mean, that's kind of the point. Is yeah, that? Yeah. You know.
2: I mean, and if you've if you've picked up a comic book and, and know about Ego the Living Planet and 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 the history of most of these like uh, giant entities like your Galactus and and your Thanos and whatever, they just don't care about the little people. You know they're they're out there doing their own thing, and they're just all about their own agenda. And if if a bunch of planets, uh, you know, get screwed over in, in for them to get what they want, then so be it. Uh, hmm. So what this for sounds, the little people?
1: This kind of sounds like the leader of a, of a free world somewhere. I know. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Politics. Uh, oh, and on a, on a fun note, uh, we were coming back from the, the press screening, and we were. with uh, Jeremiah, a roommate, and we uh, keep looking at trivia stuff because that's what we do. And apparently, to make Ego the planet, like the, the there's a, a really awesome scene. They used, um, I think it was over eight trillion polygons or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it set the record as the biggest digital creation in mankind. Like huh. it's wow, the, it's the 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 biggest digital thing anyone's ever done with CGI or anything else. So. There you go, Guardians. Keep on, on making records.
2: <laughs> wow, uh, most impressive. So, Way yeah, to go.
1: back, back to Star Wars. All right, so yeah. we've gone for about an hour, and I know we. I, I hope everyone's been having as much fun as we have because I could literally talk about this for another four hours. Because uh, when I got out of this, we went back to uh, Jimmy and Cat's house, and we were up till three in the morning, just going off about. Everything. And of course, we could go more in detail because And, yes, this isn't detailed. Trust me, we can go a lot further. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. just trying not to tell you anything because we want you to enjoy this, see it for itself. Um, but there were so many things we just tore apart and dug into, and
0: there, there are some killer Easter eggs and reveals in there that are are game changers.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there, mm-hmm. there's so much fun stuff. And there's they do there's a Jeff Goldblum cameo, which I think everyone missed. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: did you guys see it or no? Yes. I I missed it. Yes, I uh, did. It's
1: in, it's, it's in the credits. So yeah, again, oh, okay. stay through all the credits because it's there's a lot to see. Uh, it it finally explains who Stan Lee has been this whole time, why he's in every single Marvel movie. Um, <laughs> you, you get to see adolescent Groot, <laughs> <laughs> um, and they, they leave a big stinger for Guardians three and uh, possibly Infinity Wars. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's go ahead and let's, 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 wrap this up. So where are you two sitting as far as ratings on a one to 10 scale?
0: Uh, I gave it an eight and a half, 8.5.
2: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm at a nine, uh, but, but for the pacing issues and a couple of tiny other little things, uh, the original guardians was a 10 out of 10. This is just slightly off the mark, but a really strong nine.
0: Yeah, as and, far as like direct Marvel sequels go, it's not as good as Winter Soldier because Winter Soldier is the best Marvel movie, fight me. Uh, uh, no, I <laughs> agree
2: with you. <laughs> see, I, I get
1: back and forth between Guardians, Civil War, and Winter Soldier. Those are like, my top three that constantly get juggled around, so I'm but, with you. you
0: but overall, Marvel has not had that great of a track record as far as direct sequels go. Iron Man 2 is the worst Marvel movie. Thor The Dark World's kind of Dark a mess. World. You yeah. know, so yeah. as far as direct sequels go... It's it's uh, looks like they might finally be getting their their crap together.
1: Yeah, and you think think about it, you know, it's because James Gunn loves these characters so much. I mean, he's he's you know as much as yeah, it is the Marvel universe. So you've already got this you know the background of these characters and Thanos and everything else. But um, but you can always tell when a director is a, a talented director. We'll say that is so in love with what he's doing. Um, that a piece of his soul gets imprinted on the film, and this mm-hmm. is James Gunn out there like throwing it out, and like he's, you know, if you if you don't follow him on Twitter or Facebook, please do. He's an amazing person and actually like interacts with fans, um, shares deep things about himself, like why he's you know why he's how he is, and like his struggles with the depression, things he's gone through, um, just as a way to kind of lift
2: people up. But, um, I what yeah. you mean? You mean there are. People out there who deal with mental health issues, and it's a normal part of life. It's almost like we're normalizing mental health. Yeah, but huh. it's a, that's that's great. funny. It's
1: now, so it's fine. Um, Yeah, but no, I mean, please, please follow him. He's, he's a great guy. I mean, I've been a fan since his trauma days. Uh, <laughs> Back when <laughs> Tromeo and Juliet with a giant penis monster. <laughs> Which I think he was making that he was making an homage to with the, the, the penis joke in this movie. Um, yes. And, you know, Slither and Super and all that kind of fun stuff. Oh, yeah. But uh, I love that. I, I can't – I can overlook some of his tiny flaws because I had such a good time. And I've seen it twice now. And the second time, I caught so much more than I did the first time. And, you know, it, it made me laugh. It made me cry. I got out of the theater and like liked life more. Like you know, my review on Big Shiny, I said it was like a a beacon of hope in this dark world. Yeah. And so I love that. I'm I'm a 10 out of 10. I mean, yes, I I probably should be mean and dock it to a 9.5 because of some issues I have too, but I I can't. No, go with your heart. No, yeah, exactly. That's that's the point. Like there is, there's so much about this that's so wonderful and so great, and yeah, it's. It makes me happy. Like I wanna go see it right now. I actually I probably get one after I get lunch after this, <laughs> But no, it's 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 just nice to have a movie that is so heartfelt and so full of life and wonder and and grief and joy and everything. Every emotion you don't know demand is in there and it's I haven't seen a movie like that in a long time. So
0: I'm I'm so glad that we have this this plethora of movies being made with creators who are obviously in love with the source material logan is another really good example yeah, logan, was great. Yeah. Yeah. logan and deadpool both fox properties of all things you would ever think that were made with a lot of love i mean just it, there's when something is created with a lot of respect for the source material with a lot of love for the source material it makes everything better and yeah like i said i have my issues with it i probably came come down on it harder than most people will but you know I also don't think. I think the first one was lightning in a bottle, and I don't know if you can ever really capture that again. But for trying to catch lightning in a bottle a second time, this was about as good as you could possibly expect. Well, I mean, you gave yeah. it an
1: 8.5. Gone.
0: I know, the right? I'm the worst. <laughs> Just the worst. <laughs>
1: Your, your, your internet uh, fans or detractors would think you are, so... <laughs> they already do. <laughs> oh, God, that a-hole. Those people. I, I, so. I
0: get the best hate mail.
1: <laughs> At least you're getting mail. I don't even get mail. I just get... I just... Yeah. But anyways, hey, again, thank you all so much for hanging on. I know this has been a long episode, but we really wanted to take time to dive into this movie because uh, it's great, and we all loved it, and we think you should go see it, and again, thank you all so much. It's been... It's been almost two years now, 100 episodes. I can't believe it. I think Andy and I are both kind of dumbstruck because we started this just to kind of do our own thing and, you know, and get together every week and talk about movies and bitch at each other and have fun. And thank yep. all of you for for coming along with that. It's, it's been a wild ride, and I'm excited to see what the next 100 episodes bring because we got some really cool stuff coming up. So, uh, yeah, that's it for this week. Uh, next week we've got uh, Guy Ritchie's King Arthur. And also Snatched, which is written by Amy Schumer, starring Goldie Hahn. Uh, kind of worried about that one, but a little bit happier now that I know uh, Amy Schumer wrote it, so that's a good thing. Um, also, Caitlin, thank you so much for being on. It was a blast oh, yeah. having you. Yes, thank you. You oh. are always welcome back whenever you want. Trust us, oh, love you.
0: Thank you. I love you guys <laughs> uh, it was, too.
1: Yeah, it was, it was great to have another voice on here and someone who could, who could go going with us. But uh, yeah, again, everyone, thank you so much. Happy 100 episodes. And until next week, hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all.